Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to Houston, PA, Houston's public affairs show, an iHeartMedia broadcast. Our disclaimer says that the opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily reflect those held by this radio station, its management staff, or any of its advertisers. My name is Laurent. I am the Texan from France, and I'm a fan of the museums in town. Do you know that the vast majority of the museums, all the big ones, are open for free, usually on Thursdays? And this is the case with the Health Museum. The Health Museum has this exhibit where you can actually walk through the human body. And uh, it's, a, it's a giant installation, and it's, a, it's kind of one of those uh, opportunities to describe installation arts as being part of what a museum is all about. They, uh, they present information in such a way that it is also entertaining or startling, and education and a friendly welcome is just is paramount. That's what you're going for. And uh, as I said, you can check out this museum every week for free on Thursdays. It's the perfect opportunity to take your entire family, your neighbor's friends, just take them into the museum and check it out because the, your kids can roam free. And not only is it going to be super fun, but uh, it, they learn accidentally, by the way. It, put it this way. The place is so clean and so well designed that it's kind of like a miniature Disneyland. If you've ever been to Disneyland or Disney World, what's startling about these sets they build in these amusement parks is how clean and well organized they are. And, you know, there's something to learn in Disneyland, but not like at a science museum. And that's what I like to tell people. It's like, man, if you like amusement parks, Houston is rich in those places if you consider that going to see a, a human body body or discussing the foods of the world like we're going to do today can fill an afternoon with a whole lot of fun. My guests are Becky Seabrook. She is the Senior Director of Guest Engagement at the Health Museum. And John Archie Diacono is their new president and CEO. Well, he's new to me because he's the first time that he is appearing on the show. Uh, go online while you listen to this interview, thehealthmuseum.org, thehealthmuseum.org. They're celebrating their 50th anniversary. And, John, you're celebrating about a year, right? Or you're coming up on a year of directorship. Yeah, August 6th, it'll be a year. So what brought you here? Where do you come from? So I'm actually a native Houstonian. Believe it or not, um, and uh, but my background's not working for a nonprofit. My background's not working in a museum. Um, my background is marketing. I spent 30 years in marketing, primarily here in Houston, focused on advertising, working on the client side, doing consulting, working for corporations, um, marketing. That's what I've done. So this is your second career. Yeah, yeah, it really is a second career. It's a second act. And Fitzgerald said you couldn't have a second act as an American. <laughs> I don't know if you're familiar with that expression. It's taken out of context from The Great Gatsby, all right? But, um, uh, yeah, so I've, I, in my experience, it is a fact that Americans actually have several acts of their lives. It's part of American freedom that I think Americans take for granted, and they don't realize they have it. But uh, the idea of changing careers is something that Americans consider often. Mm -hmm. Europeans, much less. It, it's happening more and more. 
more, but much less. So this is your second career. Second career. I can see how marketing relates to directing a museum. You want people to know about it, but it must be a huge change of pace. You're, you're dealing with very different kinds of people, first of all, right? Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. The, the people that work in museums are passionate and creative. People that work in marketing and, and advertising are passionate <laughs> and creative, too. So, I, you know, they are different, but there are a lot of similarities, more than you'd expect, probably. But you're surrounded by scientists now. and uh... Now we got more scientists, more evidence-based, more data-driven, although there's a fair amount of that in marketing as well. Yeah. Um, marketing is becoming a lot more data-driven and, and, and analytic-driven. Um, so, you know, there are some similarities, but, but the thing that really differentiates it is that when you work at a nonprofit, it's all focused on the mission. When you work for a company or do marketing or, or traditional things like that, it's more about selling products and services. Yeah, it's a huge difference. You're playing a much longer game for the museum. Your projects, if you're dealing with an exhibit, you're dealing to schedule a traveling exhibit sometimes years ahead of time. Yeah. Then they come in. There might be a couple of weeks of setup. I talked about these as installation art. I believe that, you know, if you go to a, uh, an art gallery and they have an installation in the middle of the floor i have seen works of art in museums that were far more compelling and beautiful than stuff i've seen sometimes in galleries i don't know how, how do you feel is am i am i stretching it a little bit no not at all actually we have an exhibit right now that we've had there for a little while called bodies of work of art and it it represents the human body in lots of different ways through art yeah. and we have three or four different exhibits that uh, are are part of this bigger exhibit and and historically even though i've only been there a year um, we have had exhibits that leverage art to talk about the human body. With uh, Body as a Work of Art, in fact, just this month, we have a, a local artist, Sarah Sudhoff, who's done some amazing work. And two of her projects are coming into the Body as a Work of Art space. Um, one is looking at uh, some of the work of a physician that was around in the 1920s when the plague epidemic hit Galveston. Uh, the bubonic plague, the, the black bubonic plague, plague, that the plague. Rat, <laughs> the rat spread. Yeah, okay, it yeah. was actually, there's, uh, she had researched the story of a, a physician who was in the process of taking samples and doing creating slides. And as she was working on one of the patients, pricked her finger. Um, and so it's really the work that she did as her body was succumbing to plague. So that's one of the, and then the other one is looking at medical implant recycling, which is basically once... A person is deceased and no longer using the implants, sort of they, they recycle them. And she's done this fascinating work at looking at some of the the implants themselves and photography around it. So like a pacemaker? Um uh, the ones that um that we're installing, it really when you're looking at uh, for example, an implant in the leg, like an artificial um, Oh, like implant. a yeah. an artificial bone or yeah. a spatula or or, or, or Cartilage, yeah. I guess, artificial plastic cartilage. Really, they recycle yeah. that stuff. Yeah, so it's it's fascinating. Her work is fascinating, and it's a great example of bringing in art and science yeah. together to really look at complicated, fascinating, complex, and, and sometimes things that we don't talk a lot about. Yeah, so. well, that's another thing that you, you're able to juxtapose a bunch of different concepts and ideas in a museum. And I, sometimes I feel like curators do these things almost under the line. I'll put these things together and some people might see it and some people might not see it. What I'm saying is that it, it, these museums are so fun. I was describing them a little bit like, uh, you know, uh, amusement parks. I know that that's belittling the mission in, in a way. But at the same time, 
the museum it feels like it's designed in such a way that if a kid is going to come in and not going to be interested in the science of it, he's going to be amused like I said, accidentally learn something. They're just by you're nodding your head. Yeah, no, it's a good way to think about it. It's a, so it's a true. wonderful way of teaching. And if you go to the healthmuseum.org, you can donate five dollars, and that five dollars goes to to these kinds of programs. Anyway, you can visit the museum for free. I want to say that again. Every Thursdays they're open for free. What time? On Thursdays from two to seven. Okay, so all afternoon, pretty much <laughs> and all into afternoon. the evening. Yeah. So take them out of school and go check out the Health Museum for free, uh, and go online thehealthmuseum.org to see their beautiful website and see all the programs. And we're going to talk about their brand new show now. You are listening to Houston, PA, Houston's public affairs show. My name is Laurent, and my guests are here from the Health Museum. Becky Seabrook is their Senior Director of Guest Engagement, and John Archie Diacono is their new President and CEO. Uh, they're celebrating 50th, 50th anniversary. Before we get to the exhibit, 50 years, and I didn't know this, but the museum was founded to fight polio? This yeah. is awesome. So in the early 60s, um, obviously, there was a polio epidemic going on across the United States. But specifically here in Houston, a lot of um, philanthropists and a lot of doctors got together and said, you know what, we need to raise some money to help raise awareness about diseases like polio. So they raised the money. And then in 1969, actually, our first exhibit opened in the Museum of Natural Science. I know you're having an event coming up where there's going to be a discussion of vaccines because the science of vaccine uh, was put in doubt by a Playboy bunny, a, play, a woman who posed nude for Playboy and whose qualifications were posing nude in Playboy, and then uh, The View put her on TV. And I'm not going to say her name because this idiot, uh, I'm mad at her. But she's married to a famous comedian, another guy who probably didn't finish high school and has said a lot of stupid things about vaccination. And over the past 10 years, people stopped vaccinating their kids, especially in Anaheim, California. And then they go to Disneyland. There was a really funny story about that, uh, spreading these diseases that are uh, that should have been dead or killed decades ago. But uh, you're going to have some talks about that. You're going to bring in some doctors and some physicians and some scientists to discuss vaccines and where the technology is today um, and I'm not going to make fun of it anymore but it's an important thing unfortunately it's an important topic and one one thing the health museum does that nobody else really does is bring people together to talk about important subjects around health and wellness and that's one of them vaccinations but in collaboration with the, the women's fund we're putting on an oh, event nice. on August 21st and and bringing in doctors to have a conversation around vaccination so August 21st August 21st and it's open to the public open to the public come to our website and, and sign up I remember I was talking to um, so a, a doctor involved with vaccinations and immunizations, and she said, oftentimes, you'll, anyone who's ever been familiar or seen the effects of not having these vaccinations, yeah. it's never a question in their mind. Yeah. And I think that's, that's something that's happened, is I think we've been so successful with vaccinations as a culture in general, and we don't see a lot of these diseases that we kind of become lax and don't realize just how yeah. important they are. I saw footage of a man in the throes of uh, tetanic spasms. Tetanus is a disease you get from uh, puncturing your skin on a rusty nail, something as ordinary as something that is all around your house. And we have a vaccine. We give it to kids. There's a booster every 10 year. And it's very rare when somebody dies of tetanus. But if you've ever seen videos of somebody doing it, mm -hmm. it's it, it, it looks like torture, but nobody's touching them. It's absolutely horrifying. So let's move on to food. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, you More have, palatable topic. <laughs> you, you, literally. 
You've opened a brand new exhibit, Our Global Kitchen, Food, Nature, Culture at the Health Museum. There's a museum in town that should talk about food. It's the Health Museum. I'm French. I should be talking about food, too. Uh, we have a wonderful food culture in, in Houston because of uh, our mixed ethnicities. Uh, but you guys are actually doing something really interesting. You're looking at how diets vary around the world and also, if I understand correctly, how diets vary depending on your profession or your goals. If you're an athlete, for instance, or if you're a politician, you, you studied the, the diet of Mahatma Gandhi? And let's start with that because that just really grabs. It's one of those grabbing it's one of titles. Those that grab well, really, and it's not during the hunger strike. He was famous for going on a hunger strike as he was uh, uh, clamoring for the freedom of his people. Mm -hmm. uh, but this is not what you're talking about. You're really comparing the ethnic cultures of of food, right? It's one of the things in the exhibit. So it's it's kind of a multifaceted exhibit, um, and it's it's really looking at at food from a, a global perspective. So looking at how food varies from culture to culture is definitely a big part of, of the exhibit, but also sort of just the interconnectedness when you talk about going from um, from farm to fork and where food is coming from and how it's being traded and transported. Uh, that's, that's also a big part of it, too. So you're looking at, I guess, the geopolitical uh, layout of, of food and, and the industry of how we collect it and bring it to the table or to the stores, right? Yeah. Because the that's... final step is is un easy to understand. Yeah. But so how do you go ahead? Oh, and, and even how we dispose of it. We have a mm. part of the exhibit is about how much trash we generate as a as a culture. Okay. Well, I want to get to that. Yeah. But about Gandhi. Sure. <laughs> Back to Gandhi. <laughs> what what does the exhibit teach us about Gandhi's diet or and his people's diet? Sure. So there's a section of the exhibit called Iconic Meals, and it really highlights uh, meals from different iconic figures. And, and two of the figures are uh, Michael Phelps, who is very well known for his success at the Olympics in swimming, and Mahatma Gandhi, who you just spoke about. And so it's it's looking at a, a sample of what the, the different meals, um, the sort of the meal for Gandhi, which is you see a lot the, the rice and, and some of the different beans and things that you might see in the culture. And then you compare it or contrast it with Michael Phelps' diet of a massive American breakfast yeah. with the toast and the eggs and the bacon and the sausage and the coffee and, and, and everything else. So, so it's, yes, it's, it's interesting looking at what a, a, a meal might look like in different cultures, but also in the case of those yeah. two individuals, there's, there's a definite difference in just the amount of food that they so consumed. Did you sort of pick those two as a, as polar opposite example? Cause not only would Mahatma Gandhi not have eaten as much, but mm -hmm. uh, he was part of the religion which reveres cows, right? So the mm -hmm. veg vegetarian. They would never have any kind of beef sausage yep. in their food. And so in a way, I think that maybe Mr. Phelps' diet would offend them, right? Isn't that possible? Well, it in certain contexts, I think it, it's possible people might take offense at it. Um, I think the key is understanding the cultural differences yeah. and um, and respecting cultural differences. I'm sorry. What, um, what did you just say about understanding <laughs> and respect? <What? laughs> right. So Pretty why? important to get Why? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're asking in all earnestness, I think well, just no. as with the you know the world is global as as globalized as it's becoming, we're also interconnected. I think it just, I think it goes a long way towards getting along, better understanding each other. Yeah. This exhibit is from the American Museum of Natural History in New York. It's one of the places that we sometimes will will bring exhibits in from them. Um, so yeah, I I don't know. 
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I haven't spoken to the person that curated the exhibit and found out exactly why they chose which meals they did, but I think you bring up a really good point about the differences between those. Yeah. And we let's go right into the waste, John, because this is an American thing. Uh, one of the culture shocks for, I think, anyone from outside of the country. Uh, I immigrated when I was a, a young man, and the sizes of the food, the plates, the size of the plates, those are two meals for me. I'm, I'm a skinny guy. Uh, I go to a Tex-Mex restaurant, and I take a doggy bag home box, and it's a second meal for me. Uh, a lot of people just throw all that stuff out, and uh, they're passing laws in Europe forbidding restaurants from doing this, forbidding stores from throwing out yogurts that are one day past their due date but are still good to eat for another month. Now they have to give it away. They have to pass a law. I'm not saying that that's what we should do. Uh, the jury is still out as to whether or not those laws are going to be effective. They just got kicked in. But uh, we we should – really take a look at this it's embarrassing it's and i do it at home i scrape the plate into the garbage can more often than i care to admit yeah i mean i, th- I think what you're talking about and it's very much on display when you look at gandhi again going back to gandhi and michael phelps the amount of food on there and, and i i agree with you just from my my perspective in the united states we tend to eat a lot more food and be served a lot more food and it keeps growing and growing I think one of the the important things about this exhibit, though, it really talks about waste, um, not just from food particles, but from actually trash as well. So the production and transportation. Everything that we are exposed to or utilize or or leverage becomes some level of trash, right? And so we have an exhibit that's probably a display that's probably about, I don't know, 10 feet tall maybe or so, Mm -hmm. full of trash. And that's the average trash on a daily basis, I believe, right? Or is it over for an American for an family? American family. Yeah. Um, and you don't realize how, because again, you keep taking it out, you keep taking it out and disappear somewhere, but you're actually creating a lot of waste. Yeah. Um, and if you look at it all combined in this one display, you really are, are amazed by how much we create. Yeah. I, I, you wonder about that. You go to stores, there's a lot of foods that have to be contained. There's really, I can't imagine how you would uh, ship ham. If it's not plastified, you know, wrapped in plastic, and then they slice it up for you, and then you have to have it in a plastic baggie or something. But aren't there a lot of foods that you could actually – maybe the crackers don't all have to come in a box. It can just be individually wrapped, and you grab as many as you want. But I can can tell – that the stores don't want any of that because that is pandemonium in their in their aisles. People, that's an, part of the problem is the people. Yeah, we we have a, an uncountable number of stupid, rude people that are just going to mess <laughs> up any great system we put together. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it's it's. But there is a there is a demand, and and I think you're hearing more and more of restaurants or grocery stores trying to look into that. But I think to your point. We're such a uh, – the society is so used to the way we get things and the way we're presented things and the way things are packaged. It's going to be hard, I think, to actually change that. 
Do you yeah. agree? Oh, I think it's going to be extremely hard. I don't have any idea how you begin. Actually, it just it is such. It seems like such an unsurmountable problem at this particular time. And you, if you look at statistically all the trash that is in the ocean and and all that stuff, anywhere between seventy five and ninety percent of that is actually coming from Asia, in India, and China. And so we're a little bit ahead of them because we're starting to talk about it. But even if we got our ducks in line. We're still dealing with a massive problem that we're not even putting a dent into. And I don't know that this probably beyond the scope of this interview and, and the exhibit, but it's, it's an important thing. It, it, it should be a part of the conversation about food that we actually also waste a lot. And consider that that all has to be produced. All those, all those animals are killed and wasted. Yeah, it makes you think maybe you should do a better job of eating the leftovers or, or you know, when you, when you buy produce, don't let it rot in the drawer, actually, you know, to utilize it. And, you know, and be grateful when we've got food because there are a lot of families that are struggling with the food scarcity, which it, which it also addresses. So, yeah, there's a lot of hungry people in Houston. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lots of hungry people. So uh, lots to talk about. Go to thehealthmuseum.org, thehealthmuseum.org for more information. And uh, they have amazing prices on their memberships. Basically, a membership to the Health Museum is good for four people uh, minimum. You can buy them for more. Isn't that right? Is it just for four, five, six? You, you can do it as individual. Yeah. You can do it for four people. You can do it for uh, – bigger family as well so we have different packages and if you're going to visit the museum a couple of times a year that's the way to go go see it for free just check it out without spending a dime they're open open for free every afternoon and into the evening on thursdays every thursday just take take the neighbor's kids too they'll learn something you're listening to houston pa houston's public affairs show my name is laurent i'm the texan from france and my guests are here from the Health Museum. Becky Seabrook is their Senior Director of Guest Engagement. And John Archie Diacono is their brand new president and CEO. He's been at the job less than a year. Uh, comes from marketing, another second act. Becky, this is, you left the country. You lived in, in Germany for a long time. Yes, I was there for four years. They, they, they cook some really good food over there. They, they don't really have that reputation, but they have great food in Germany. And, oh, all those local breweries. Yeah. Just what what a wonderful! So I must you must have taken the train to France and Switzerland and Austria Absolutely. along the way. Yeah, uh, southern uh, France is one of my favorites. Yeah, the, the food <laughs> so, there. Oh my gosh! You know what? The best pizza I've ever had I had in France. Well, that's because they use all those uh, Swiss style cheeses, Gruyere mm-hmm. and Emmental. It, it, yeah, it was it, amazing. It, it's um, yeah, and the uh, the the French tradition of cold cut curing meats mm-hmm. is different from here. I love Black Forest ham, but oh, the the ham culture in America is completely different from France and they're both delicious that's an amazing thing that, that is worth talking about the health museum has opened a brand new exhibit called our global kitchen food nature culture at the health museum it'll be on until February you got plenty of time to go see it they're open for free on Thursdays uh, you don't you don't actually feed people right you're just you're talking about the production distributioning and ethnic cooking of food right correct yeah occasionally so, we have food demonstrations but yeah. oh you also yeah, they, you do we do a lot of programming in conjunction with the exhibits so yes um, and generally you can find those on the website if you go to the website there's a list of a calendar of events that are coming up um, so yes, there's there's tons of programming that people can do, and members get a special access to all these uh, previews. They're like sneak previews. It's like those movies that, that that they show on Tuesdays before they come out on Fridays, right? It's the same thing, except this mm-hmm. is a this is more of a party atmosphere, and the people are there to also mingle. In other words. It's a great place to go meet. If you're new to town, joining a museum is one of the best ways 
to meet people that are likely interested in the stuff that you're interested in. Um, I have to ask you, because it's about food, is there something about this exhibit that I'm always looking to learn something new and surprising about food? And I, I, I guess ultimately you'd have to go in and taste it. But if you're just if you're making demonstrations only every once in a while and you're talking about the distribution of food, how do people react to that? Do they it must be all new information to most people, right? Um, it depends. It, it it definitely takes a look at food from a different perspective. Oftentimes, uh, programming has to do with different diets that people can use. You know, paleo diets, or when you're looking at whether or not you're taking in carbs or not. So you hear a lot about that. So this is definitely a different take on on food, looking at different aspects of it. Um, but yeah, I we've definitely gotten some feedback from people in terms of things like seeing the models and kind of just putting inter putting things into perspective like the amount of food that we waste or or even just appreciating how big a role food plays in our lives i think sometimes we also take it for granted because it's such a natural part of what we do but it's i mean it it's what sustains us it's a huge part of how we celebrate how we socialize so so just kind of taking time to to stop and reflect on some of that as well as just looking at the interconnectedness i think that this exhibit really gets into just how interconnected we we are um, with things like the food supply and the importance of safety in the food supply and, and things like that. So yeah, it's definitely a different take on it. Yeah, one, was, one, one of our one of our demonstrations that we uh, had, and we've done this a couple of times, I believe, with our global kitchen, is showing kids, especially how they could take a Keurig uh, coffee cup, you know, that you make coffee with a little oh, plastic yeah, thing, yeah. recycle that, and put um, some uh, dirt in there put a seed and start growing things in a recycled curry coffee cup. It's just something simple like that you wouldn't normally think of. So so once the seed has started growing and outgrows the coffee cup, what, what happens to the coffee cup? It migrated into a bigger pot. Yeah, yeah but Planet what, what happens to the actual little cup? Because the plastic you, cup still exists, yeah, right? Then you've got to recycle it. Okay, yeah. So, so, so it's reuse kind of it more than it. once. Exactly. Ah, so that, that, you know what? That's funny. That's part of my problem. I always think about recycling. I don't necessarily think about reusing. What yeah. do they say? Reduce, reuse, recycle. No, no. Yeah. Those are the three things, right? So reduce, reuse, and recycle. And that's two of those things right there, right? Yeah. Reuse and recycle. Yeah, so thought. You've got another exhibit coming out. It's called Outbreak. You're yes. going to open in September, so it's just around the corner. You, that you, one's October. October, yep. all right. Yep. So one more month. So maybe just around the corner from around the corner. Uh, what is it going to be about? It's going to be about diseases, right? Just like the movie? Uh, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> that movie, Outbreak, with Dustin Hoffman mm -hmm. and uh, Renee uh, Russo. Renee Russo, the lovely, mm -hmm. talented woman. Uh, that was based on a book called The Hot Zone, yep. which is the first half of The Hot Zone describes the first Ebola outbreak. Mm -hmm. It is one of the best thrillers I've ever read. The first half of the book. The second half of the book falls into more scientific. It becomes more academic. And it's a lot less fun to read. Just as interesting. But, man, that first half. So when you say that you're doing an exhibit on this kind of stuff, that's what I'm thinking about. This is going to be really interesting. <laughs> yeah. So um, the Health Museum is a Smithsonian affiliate, and the Smithsonian put together an exhibit called Outbreak, Epidemics in a Connected World. So, again, this theme of interconnectedness. But, yeah, it's really looking at diseases, particularly diseases that jump from animal to um, human species, and how you wind up turning that into an epidemic and in cases where it spreads beyond multiple countries or continents becomes pandemic. Yeah. 
So uh, it talks about both some of the factors that play into that, but also what some of the measures we can take to contain, control, or prevent that from happening. So uh, that is really kind of in a, in a nutshell what the exhibit is about. Um, though we're also looking to have a section called Close to Home, which really takes a look at some epidemics that have happened in Houston. So whether it's the plague or polio or HIV, uh, just kind of taking a closer look at the stories behind some of those uh, epidemics that happen here. So well, I'm, I'm excited. I wouldn't be excited to have an epidemic, a big <laughs> outbreak mm-hmm. here, but but the exhibit is fascinating. And I think there's a lot of really important information, including looking at the um, kind of differences between bacteria and viruses and why we vaccinate and why it matters to take antibiotics the way that they're prescribed so we don't wind up with a bunch of diseases that don't respond to them because when that happens we're in trouble yeah and what, what so. you're referring to is that uh, you build an accustomance when you take antibiotics every single time your body gets a little bit used to it and the diseases also adapt to the antibiotics of course the yeah. diseases are constantly changing so uh, you can develop an immunity to antibiotics so if you get sick with a disease and you can't take antibiotics you die so, yeah, it's <laughs> looking at when you take them, if you don't use them properly and yeah. you wind up having some of the whatever the, the pathogen is in the body. If it's a bacteria, well, with antibiotics, it would be a bacteria, but you have it in the body. You get some of those ones that are a little tougher to kill and then you stop taking it before they're gone. Then those are the yeah. ones that are that stick around and, and wind up causing a bigger problem next time around. So, so some, yeah, it's really important. <laughs> it's, you, you have some discussion about pandemics. Mm-hmm. Uh, you discuss how people get into an airport and get on a plane with a sickness in their well, bloodstream. Transportation. It happens every single day. Yeah, transportation is a huge part of why it's so important yeah. um, for surveillance of the same. I mean, you brought up Ebola with, yeah. the, with the, the book. There's a huge, well, there's a pretty important outbreak right now that's happening over in the Democratic Republic of Congo and it's in a big city and that's a big deal because once you start getting these big cities and the interconnectedness it becomes really really important to yeah. and they are not as connected as we are to television and cell phones if an outbreak of something happened in Houston the vast majority of Houston could be alerted within 48 hours about mm-hmm. now uh, in Congo you're gonna have to go door to door and it's going to take days. This is it. it yeah. It's a it's a really interesting demonstration of how communication is a great thing when it's used right. It, it, this all this technology mm-hmm. is absolutely amazing, and we take it for granted in America because we've had it. You know, we put men on the moon for crying out loud. Yeah. We're used to doing <laughs> these things. We take it right. for granted, but they're not ordinary. They are not ordinary. And I think it's great that there are places like the Health Museum that demonstrate this. So go see their brand new exhibit. It's called Our Global Kitchen, Food, Nature, Culture at the Health Museum. They're opening Outbreak in October. They have a bunch of permanent exhibits. Like I said, this is a beautifully designed museum. It's clean. It's really fun to walk through. And I'm talking as a grown-up. You can So if it's fun for me, it's going to be a lot of fun for kids. And uh, if you have any questions related to Houston, PA, as usual, folks, send me an email, texanfromfrance at gmail.com, texanfromfrance at gmail.com. I'm happy to send you a link to the podcast, but you can find it at iheart.com. Just search for Houston, PA. 
will show up. There's a list of shows I'm proud of. And if, and if you're not happy with one of them, send me an email and I'll address the problem. And I'll see you next week at the same time. My name is Laurent. I am the Texan from France. I thank you for listening and caring about the issues I put on this show. This has been Houston PA, Houston's public affairs show, Houston Strong. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.